One of the big themes as we celebrate Christmas is the idea of peace. Peace on earth, goodwill to, to men. And during this year, we've experienced a lot of turmoil, whether it's political or in our personal lives, with our health, with finances, everybody has experienced some kind of turmoil and upheaval this year. And here we come to a celebration of peace. It's a main theme throughout the scriptures and throughout the celebration of Christmas time. Let's pick it up in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah was a prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus, and this is what he said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. Isaiah is prophesying a time that even though they are living in deep darkness right now, that, the, that God is going to send his son. He's going to send a ruler. And how is he described? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And there it is, Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of of peace. Interesting thing I learned this week about this word that is used for prince. It's the idea of both a warrior and a ruler, which is kind of a funny contrast because here is this warrior ruler who is going to bring peace. This is the very theme that's picked up by the angels when they announce Jesus' birth to the shepherds. They sing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. Now that's the Passion Translation, a little bit different from what you're familiar with perhaps, but there it is again, that idea of peace, that Jesus' coming means peace for us. But again, it doesn't seem like we always experience that. There's uh, this announcement that there's going to be peace, and yet we see there's all kinds of turmoil. There was all kinds of turmoil in his world, the world that Jesus was born into, and there continues to be ongoing turmoil and upheaval in our world and in our lives. So what are we to make of that promise? Is it a false promise? Is Jesus unable to deliver what he has promised? Is it something that is not yet happened, but is going to happen? What do we make of this promise of peace? What do we make of Jesus as the Prince of Peace? Now, this isn't a question that's new to us. There has been all kinds of upheaval and turmoil in our world from the very start. And in fact, even at this time of the year where we celebrate the Prince of Peace, where we celebrate God sending his peace into the world, some of the Christmas carols that we sing, most of them are upbeat and joyful. But there's one that's one of my favorites that was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that uh, touches on this idea. He says, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. And isn't that our experience? This is from the hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And there's kind of an interesting story behind it. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was perhaps <clears throat> one of America's greatest poets. And 
he was married in 1831. By 1834, he was already viewed as one of the country's most respected scholars. This is from a book called Stories Behind the Best Loved Songs of Christmas. And this is the story of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. He had a wonderful wife, dynamic reputation, a fine house overlooking the Charles River. He seemed to have it all. And yet, tragically, within a year of arriving at, uh, in Massachusetts, his wife dies, and that plunges him into a seven-year period of mourning, and he just can't seem to get past it. And then he finally, after years, finds a, a, a new wife. He recovered enough from his loss to remarry, and then he starts uh, one of the best and most prolific periods of his career. By, by 1860, he had found wealth and worldwide fame and was lionized as one of the greatest writers ever produced by the New World. However, at this very time, when things seemed to be turning around and things seemed to be going well again, tragically, his new wife, uh, dies. She's lighting a candle and her dress catches fire and she perishes. At the same time, the country that he loves is being plunged into civil war. And so all of this tragedy is surrounding him once again. And then a couple of years into the war, his son is injured in the war. It says that Longfellow hated the Civil War. It tore at the very fiber of his being to see the United States of America divided by the greed and sinful nature of man. An ardent believer in the power of God to move on earth, the poet all but pleaded with the Lord to end the madness of war. When his oldest son, 19-year-old Charles, was wounded in battle and sent home to recover, the poet's prayers turned to rage. As Henry ten tended his son's injuries, saw other wounded soldiers on Cambridge's streets, and visited with families who had lost sons in battle, he asked his friends and his God, where is the peace? Then picking up his pen and paper, he tried to answer that haunting question. It was the ringing of Christmas bells that probably inspired the cadence found in his writing on December 25th, 1863. That day, Longfellow hung his whole message on the tolling of the church bells. Yet while most Christmas verse is light and uplifting, America's greatest poet set his lyrical ode in tones that were largely dark and solemn. And you're probably familiar with these words. He wrote, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. So today we are talking about peace. We're talking about the peace that can be ours, the peace that is not apparent in the world, but is yet the gift to every follower of Jesus. And at this Christmas season, whatever you have faced, whatever you will face, whatever this year has held for you, whatever next year holds for you, 
I want you to know that you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Let's look at more of Isaiah chapter 9, this incredible prophecy written hundreds of years before Jesus was born that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Isn't that a good word for us? The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies on the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. <clears throat> the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that at this time of the year, no matter what we're experiencing, that you have given us peace. You have given us peace in the person of Jesus Christ who made peace between God and man through what he did on the cross, taking our sins upon himself so that we might be forgiven, cleansed, made new, adopted into your family, citizens of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so I thank you for that. And I pray that as we look at it together, that you will speak to every heart and that you will grant peace. So today we're saying that you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. Nevertheless, there's a time of darkness and despair, but it won't go on forever. There's a old uh, saying that in the Bible it says, and it shall come to pass, and it will. There will be a time where you will be past whatever you are facing right now. And the word to Isaiah, uh, to his people of his time was this darkness and despair will not go on forever. And then he references the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, who are both uh, tribes within Israel. These are, the nor these are northern territories in Israel. It says that they'll be humbled. And he was talking about that there was going to be a, uh, the, that when the Assyrians came in and took over the country and exiled the people, there was this time of great darkness for the people. And it started in this area. But he says, it's not going to last forever. There's going to be a change. There'll be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, talking about the same area, just by a different name, will be filled with glory. Here we know that Jesus, Nazareth, is in Galilee. Nazareth and Galilee were Jesus' home 
land, his area, and it foretells that glory of God, the presence of God showing up in that area. So there's darkness, there's despair, but a light and glory is coming into the world. Uh, just reminds us that there's not always going to be peace. There is sometimes times of darkness and despair, and that we shouldn't be surprised by that. We shouldn't be uh, wondering about that. That's just something to expect. And Jesus talked about the same thing in his teaching. Once he grew up in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is teaching and he's teaching about the end of time. And he says, nations will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. Now, many times people reference this as if the things that are going on in the world today are the sign that Jesus is about to come back. Jesus may be about to come back, but Jesus' point in this was that this is the kind of thing that's going to happen over and over and over again. This is the normal course of life. And in fact, in this translation, the passage trans the Passion Translation, it talks about even horrible epidemics. Now, your translation might not include that. If you're reading the Passion Translation, it has a little footnote that there, there was an Aramaic translation and many manuscripts that included that. And so they included it as well. Just kind of interesting that uh, all these kinds of things, earthquakes, epidemics, famines, whatever the case may be, these are the kind of things that are normal. But what's Jesus' word to us in the midst of that? He said, don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. That this is just insight and example that uh, the world system is not going to last forever. It's going to break down. There is brokenness. But again, this is just the normal thing. He says, but it won't yet be the end. It doesn't mean that the world is about to end. It's just the normal course of things, that there is upheaval and turmoil. And so what are we to make of this promise of peace, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? How is it that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ? He gives us some insight. Again, Jesus teaching in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you. He's gonna leave us peace. Well, what kind of peace is he talking about? He's obviously not talking about worldwide peace, no wars, no sickness, no disease, at least not right now. He says, my peace I give you. And then he contrasts it to the world's peace. I do not give to you as the world gives. In other words, I'm gonna give you peace. This is going to be my kind of peace, a peace that only I can give, a gift that I give to you. It's my peace. But it's not like the world gives peace. The, the, uh, in the world, you have peace when everything is going well, when there's no conflict, when there's no difficulty. He says, that's not the kind of peace I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my peace. It's separate from that kind of peace. And so the conclusion that he draws, the application is don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You don't have to be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. Fear not is repeated over and over again. 
because you have Jesus' peace. We get a little bit more insight into what this means when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome. In Romans 8, 28, a very familiar, well-quoted passage, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. His love, that all things, everything, not all things are good, but all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What is he saying there? He's saying that in the midst of the turmoil and upheaval of our lives and our world, we can have the confidence that God is so powerful that he can leverage all of those things for our good. That we don't have to ride the roller coaster of the ups and downs of the news cycle or our daily lives, that we can anchor our peace in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ, his son. In fact, a little bit earlier in that same letter, the apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace. Why? Because the world is going well? No, because all sickness has been eradicated? No, because there are no more wars or political upheaval? No, we have peace. We have it with God. With God, we have peace because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. What did he do for us? He went to the cross. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, beyond this, the upheaval and turmoil that we experience, that ultimately we are under God's judgment because we have been in rebellion against God. There is not, as a natural state in our world or in our spiritual condition, peace with God. Because we're rebels. We're uh, part of a revolution against God. We each decide to go our own way, to make up our own rules, and to reject God's authority. And yet, the punishment of that, which is death, not just a physical death, but an eternal separation from God, a removal, uh, being removed from His peace, that is what we earn because of our sin. And yet, Jesus took on himself the punishment, the wrath of God for our sins. He didn't deserve it. He lived a perfect life. He was God in the flesh, fully man and fully God. And yet he goes to the cross willingly, submits himself to death, even to death on a cross, so that the punishment for our sins could be placed on him and we could receive forgiveness and a clean record that we could never earn but it's given to us as a gift. We receive peace with God through what Jesus has done. And so that's why we encourage you to say yes to this gift, this offer of peace. We encourage you to turn your life over, to commit your life to Jesus so that you can experience the forgiveness that is yours because of what Christ has done, the new life, that is ours because he was raised to life and the peace with God that can only come 
through what Jesus did on the cross. So say yes to Jesus. Say yes to his forgiveness that he purchased to you on the cross, for you on the cross. Say yes to his lordship, that he's the ruling and reigning king. He is the prince of peace. And when you bow the knee to him, when you say yes to him, he gives you the gift of his peace. You can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And to culminate it all, yes, you're going to face all kinds of up, uh, upheaval and turmoil in your world. The world is going to continue to experience all these kinds of things, wars, epidemics, and uh, earthquakes, and you name it. However, you can have peace in the midst of it, and ultimately there's going to be a day when God sets everything right and his peace extends to the whole world and that's the hope that we have in Jesus at christmas time it's called the advent season because we look forward to that time where we celebrate Jesus first coming but it also should remind us that Jesus is coming again, that our hope is not just for this world, but that there's going to be a time where he is going to return and set everything right, his second advent. That's what's described at the conclusion of the book of Revelation. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. I heard a loud voice from the throne, the throne of God, saying, look, God's home is now among his people. We're going to work for peace. We're going to live in peace as far as it depends upon us. We're going to experience the peace of God that he gives us as a gift through his son, Jesus Christ, that allows us to weather the ups and downs of this world with his peace. But we also are looking forward to that time where God will make his home among us. It says he will live with them and they will be his people. And what will happen at that time? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. At that time, there's going to be a wiping away of all of the things that bring sorrow and despair and darkness into our world. That is our hope, not just for this world and for what God can do in our lives, but ultimately that he will make everything right. The old will be completely passed away and he will make everything new. And I love that imagery. There are going to be tears as we think about all the pain and suffering that we have known and that we have experienced and that we have seen in others. But there'll be a day where God will reach down and like a loving heavenly father, wipe away that last tear. This is <laughs> the hope that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow came to in his great hymn that 
the bells are ringing peace on earth, but as he looks around, everything in his world is mocking that call. But he anchors himself in the promise of God. He anchors himself in the future hope that we have in Jesus. And the song doesn't end in despair. It ends in a note of triumphal hope. This is what it says. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. There will be that day where he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, As we celebrate this Christmas season, we are reminded of your goodness, your power, your love for us, that you came to dwell among us, that you entered into the sorrow and pain of our world and you did something about it, that you set us and our world on a course that will ultimately end in redemption and I thank you, Lord, for extending, not only paying the price so that we could be included, but extending that invitation for us to be a part of your family and your kingdom. We thank you. And Lord, I pray that everyone who's watching and listening will say yes to you. That if they have been in rebellion and uh, turned away from you because of all of the sorrow and turmoil and injustice in this world, that they will once again turn to you in hope, uh, accept your gift of peace, looking forward to that day when you have promised that you will set all things right. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who have said yes to you, that we will continue to work towards peace, that we will share the message, that we will do everything we can to bring your gift of peace to everyone that we know and meet. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us that opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You can be a part of what God is doing. He has done everything. He's come into the world. He's sent his son. His son died on the cross for our sins, was raised to life for our justification and to grant us new life. And then he's given us the opportunity to share that message with others. So let's do that. Let's invite others. One of the most simple ways that you can do it, if you've got something out of what you've experienced today, just share it with others. Send people an email. Invite them to go to cornerstonenh.org and watch along uh, and connect them with what God is doing and allow yourself to be connected to God's mission and what He is up to in the world today. He has offered peace to you 
and he wants to extend it through you to others as well. So let's invite others at this time of the year when people are so open to it in a way that they might not be at other times. Let's seize the day. Let's invite others.